Everyone doing good? Yeah, lively, yeah. Happy Easter, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Resurrection Sunday, huh? Great Sunday, isn't it? Um, you know, during worship, I was reminded of uh, the time in which we uh, normally did two services. And um, although I'm sure Jerry L. was overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord, hence his sweating and his kneeling, um, there's also a sense of feeling fatigue, too, at this time, of which um, I'm sure that has a part to play in it also. Um, for two years, two and a half years, I think um, we did two services prior to moving here to the Dante Center, essentially because, well, we got a larger space. And, you know, although, judging by the numbers, uh, there's a smaller group here today, I'm glad that we did because I don't know if, given the numbers we had first service, if we all would have fit and felt comfortable. And so... Um, this is good. Uh, who knows where the Lord's going to bring us with this second service. Nobody gets scared, okay? This is just an Easter thing, but uh, who knows. Uh, but if you are and you have served both services, worship team, and all um, those who have kicked in for both services, thank you so much. You're not just serving me. You're not just serving Bethany. You're serving these people that have showed up here today to hear a timeless, beautiful message. Well, happy Easter. Everyone, it's kind of a big deal, like the Super Bowl of all Sundays, you know. It's a time when everybody comes to church. But, you know, I started uh, first service by just reminding us that the story of the resurrection, the story of Jesus' death should be a story that fuels our faith in general. Meaning, it, it shouldn't just be like a once a year type occasion where we come together and, and celebrate um, Jesus and the victories of the cross, the victories of death. You know, there's a beautiful thing about the time when Jesus was breaking bread with his disciples. The interesting thing that happened in there in the midst of his disciples, not really understanding much of what's going on at the time, the, the words at the end of that dinner or that supper where Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. There, there's something where we continually have to call back to our mind. Our, uh, we have to remember the act of the cross and, and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and when we start to do that, when we start to actually reconnect, not just once a year, but, but dare I say maybe once a day. <laughs> you know, you know this, listen, the gospel story is not just for the unsaved. It's not just for the world outside these doors. I know that may come across as a shock to some of us here. It's not. It's actually for them, yes, but it's also for us. It's, it's for us because we get the joys of remembering who we once were apart from Christ and now who we are in Christ. And I don't know, any time that I, I connect in my cold, dull heart, in my slow mind, to the gospel story, I don't know. I just, it, it is like a drug, <laughs> you know. And for, from one who has abused drugs, I can confidently tell you that it is like a high. It is like a fuel. It is like an energy drink. When you're having a bad day, bad week, bad month, maybe a bad year, the gospel is always a great reference point to get charging your batteries, get your perspective lifted, and give you an eternal hope. That's the thing we're all looking for, right? I mean, this world 
is such a Debbie Downer. It's such a letdown, really. We, we are impressed with the world. There are things of the world that, like, that's kind of cool. But it's not, it, it, it's not cool enough to give us eternal satisfaction. And so we find ourselves grappling, trying to find the next thing, like the next electronic, the next band, the next movie, the next boyfriend. To try to fill that void when all along that void can be filled with the gospel story. Now, I imagine, unlike last service, I'm more talking to a crowd that's familiar with the story because, um, you know, you wouldn't come to a 12 o'clock service if you weren't, right? I mean, that's for the guys who want to just blow off service and go right to dinner and with family, which I understand. I totally understand. I have a family event after church, and I'm looking forward to getting there and eating some ham. Um, But I imagine I'm going to be reminding you of this story this morning. And hopefully by the grace of God, we can do that. If you would, turn your Bibles open to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We'll be starting in verse 13, and we'll be reading to verse 17. Here's Jesus, and I quote, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Now, I imagine some of you are thinking that, wow, we've been singing a lot about the cross and the death of Christ, and and, 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 and he's talking a lot about the death, and and, and, and now he's referencing a verse uh, where Jesus says, uh, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life. I thought we were supposed to be talking about the resurrection, you know. But listen, you can't begin to really appreciate and understand the gravity of the resurrection unless you first don't understand the importance of the crucifixion, the why. You know, how many know before things got good for us, they were bad? Like, that's what the power of good news does. It's like when you get diagnosed with stage four cancer, colon cancer, like my mom did a couple years back, and then you, throughout the first year of being, um, you know, hopped up on chemo and, and going to doctor's appointment and doing everything to do, you can do to beat that cancer, finding out after a year and a half that you're cancer-free. Before there was bad news, you know, there comes on the heels of that bad news a very good, good story, a good, in my mom's case, story of healing. And this is why we talk about the crucifixion. This is why we talk about Jesus laying his life down on Resurrection Sunday. Because it helps us savor and see the preciousness of what Jesus has done for us. I don't know about you, man, but my life was lost in sin at one point. You know, I, I, there was many people, even my own family, if you could imagine. I, you're, but they kind of deem me as just like, a, like there's no hope for that guy. Lo and behold, Jesus had a different plan. And I hope to remind us of how this plan kind of flushes out, how Jesus' plan flushes out and works its way out in our lives. So as we read on in the next verse, you are my friends. Right there we could stop, really. We could just talk a little bit about the Jesus who laid down his life to make his people his friends. I mean, I don't, 
I don't know today if our hearts can actually go there and get to that place of understanding the power of what these first two verses speak and articulate and communicate to us. But man, the God of the universe wants to make us his friends. Not only does he want to make us his friends, he's going to lay down his life for us to make us his friends. This is God we're talking about. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you to do. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. There's a second time Jesus uses the word friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Right now, we're getting a little bit uh, into the heart of how Jesus is, is, is making these 12 his closest friends. He's letting them and has introduced them to everything the Father has uh, spoken to Jesus. They're not just outsiders. They have firsthand information, hearing from Jesus like a friend does a friend about what's on the Father's heart. Friends don't get that privilege. If you're not a friend, you're not going to know uh, what, what, what the family secrets are. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've got a couple skeletons in our closet. I ain't going to lie. Thank you for the grace of God. Hallelujah. But, man, when, when you're close to me, man, you know that, that you, you know part of our inner lives that are very special and we protect. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I've made you my friends. I've let you know. What is upon the Father's heart? And here's where it really gets massive. Listen to Jesus. He goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Wow. Verse 16 gripped my heart this week where I came face to face with the God who chose me. He, he, he saved me, yes, but he didn't just save me so I could be spared from hell. He chose me. He, he didn't just choose me in the sense that he's going to deliver me from uh, the pains of sin and death. He chose me to be his friend. And I got moved with an overwhelming sense of the love of God like I don't think I've ever been filled with before in my entire 20 something years and I'm not trying to dr dramatize this thing or drum it up I, I read verse 16 and my heart welled up my eyes welled up with tears I'm like oh God you, you chose me I, I'll tell you the truth when many of you some of you I shouldn't say many but some of you know my story and how I actually came into the faith and putting my trust in Jesus Christ. Um, I was, like I said earlier, a bit of a hopeless case. I mean, I think even my mom ripped me off at one point. So there's, maybe not my mom, but certainly my dad. Um, and it looked pretty bleak. And I remember at the age uh, 18, um, I think I was uh, on our back porch, and I was just sad. And I don't know why I was sad. I, I think it was the Spirit of God. But I was grieved over the state and like kind of the affairs and the things that I was doing and practicing. And, and I was just overwhelmed with grief. And I said, Lord, I didn't say Lord. I, I thought if something doesn't happen, I'm going to either end up dead 
in prison or have like five children from different various women all over New Hampshire. <laughs> and I remember thinking, things are getting bleak. Things are bad. I need help. And I didn't know where to turn. Suddenly, right there on the table on that porch was the Kingston Gazette, which was a local newspaper. I opened up to the religious section, and I read uh, a couple paragraphs about a story regarding a youth ministry in Brentwood, New Hampshire. It was about 10 minutes from my home about a move of God that was touching young people. I was like, God, move of God? I could use a move of God. Maybe God could help me. And I decided to go. And, you know, I don't want to come across like I was a big deal, because I wasn't. I was a big deal for all the wrong reasons, really. I mean, my reputation was, you know, it was, it was bad. And it, it kind of preceded me. It followed me into different and various circles. And I remember showing up at this youth ministry, and the youth pastor, funny enough, was Bethany's mom, Pastor Marlene Yo. And, and she knew a bit about me. She knew my story. She often prayed with my mom for me, <laughs> just like, Lord, get him, you know. Um, and uh, she saw me come around the corner. She's like, Daryl! I'm like, ah! What are you doing here? And I remember, like it was yesterday, the words coming out of my mouth. I need God! And I was stunned. I was like, what? Just What did I just, I need God? The truth of the matter is, I did need God. And ultimately, I ended up finding God. Or better yet, I should say, God found me. Because I was under the assumption that I had something to do with my own salvation. Like, like I was in the pit, suddenly got an epiphany that I need to get my life right, and decided to go to church. And I ultimately, throughout the years, had snapped back to that time and wondered, what was it? And by the grace of God this week, I remembered certain things that happened a week before, two weeks before going to that youth group. I remember dreams that God was giving me. I didn't know it at the time. I thought it was just something that I ate the night before. But I remember stuff that my parents were saying. I remember a friend who reached out to me. I remembered all these things. I was like, whoa, 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 God. You all the while were orchestrating this time that I'm in now. And so I was under the delusion that, that, that somehow I chose God. I didn't choose God. God chose me. And in those weeks and those months prior, I realized that God was setting me up for a moment where I would encounter the power of salvation Guys, can you try to let your heart go there this morning? That the God of the universe chooses you. He doesn't just deal with you. He just doesn't put up with you. He doesn't just, um, you know, say, hey, listen, do this couple of things and yeah, you'll get out of hell. Okay, yeah, I'll just give you my mercy and my grace, you know, whatever. Let's little get out of hell card free. Here you go. <laughs> no, he, he chooses something. There's something Intimate. There's something very relational about God that He would choose us, me of all people. I remember, and a lot of other people remember, a lot of friends. 
I remember uh, getting messages, you're a pastor? These are from like high school friends. They're like, what? Like you're like, you're like a pastor? No way. Yes, I am. Right. Yeah, you can clap for that. Listen, here's the truth. From the earliest days of Genesis on through to the book of Revelation, we see stories emerge within the text of God pursuing a people to make his own. This is not just a one-off. It's not just like Jesus finally said, you know what, I choose you. All throughout Scripture, from beginning to the end, Jesus, God, has chosen a people to go after them, to pursue them for the sole purpose of making them his own possession. If you don't believe me, look at 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Here's Peter. But you, you, you and I, I imagine many here today, are what? Uh, an outcome of God's random choosing? No. What? Peter says, you are a chosen people, a rights of chosen people by God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the I always get tied up on this word. I need some coffee or something. Yes. The excellencies of, yeah, see, I just butchered it, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you, I'm not even going to try to go back and redo it. <laughs> Praise God. But now you are God's people. You are God's people, and you had not received mercy, but now you, what, receive mercy. This isn't some random selection of people that God just, you know, closes his eyes and says, I'll take that one, I'll take this one. God is intentional. You know, have you ever been cho chosen for anything, you know, like the school play? I never was. Um, there's probably reasons for that. Uh, but have you ever been chosen for that school, that part of the school play, um, that musical, maybe that team? I was chosen for the baseball team, the traveling baseball team. That was pretty, that was an accomplishment. It's like one time I had. Um, but uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple fellows, uh, like 19 to 20 of us, went to go um, play paintball. And um, we were there, and we knew that we were going to have to break up the teams, and I immediately started sweating, not much like I am now, um, but similar. And, um, and I was a little bit nervous. I was like, hey, who's going to pick me? <laughs> like, I'm a bit overweight. I'm not going to run really fast. I'm going to, like, sit back and perch and just, like, bah, 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 waste a lot of bullets, <laughs> hopefully. I'm not going to, you know, cardio is not my thing, you may notice. Uh, but, but I'm thinking nobody's going to pick me. And Fabiana was one of the team captains and... Um, also, Matthew Harlan was another, and we gave Fabiano the first pick, and lo and behold, who gets picked first? Yeah, yes, thank you. And it felt good, it felt really good, especially after being a little nervous. I'm like, hey, I'm the pastor. I actually texted him, hey, could you pick me first? It looks good. No, I'm just kidding. I, and I don't know, I, listen, I don't know if Fabiano picked me out of sympathy, like nobody's going to pick him, he's old. He's a little bit overweight, sweats a lot. 
you know, I don't know. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take one for the team. Come to find out, we won nine out of the ten games, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that had to do with me. But, I, you know, I played my part. But it felt good to be chosen. It felt really good to be seen and to be noticed. And, and how many know that this is not that kind of being chosen? Really, when we look at the way in which Jesus chose his 12 disciples, it wasn't based upon their pedigree. It wasn't based upon their talents. It wasn't based upon their influence or their affluence. It wasn't based upon their intelligence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, because, you know, I could use a miss, you know, whatever, maybe those days when I was whatever. But it doesn't boil down to good looks either. Another hallelujah for my guys out there and ain't struggle in that department. Like, it doesn't come down to those things. Jesus is choosing of his disciples. It wasn't even based, listen to this, it wasn't even based upon their love for him. You know, I don't, like... I can't use my own story because I was, you know, when, when I started dating my wife, I was like, re- I was just recklessly like, will you marry me? No. Will you marry me? No. You know, I, so I just kept persevering. Um, but, but for some of us, we know that it's hard to do that when we're rejected. Or if we're rejected, it's really hard to love. It's hard to be relational with the person we're rejected by, Right? But here Jesus is taking a chance and and initiating the relationship. The disciples had no love for Jesus at all. They had no desire to follow Christ at the time. Matter of fact, they didn't come to much later, really close to Jesus being glorified, to the disciples finally, it finally registered. But here is Jesus initiates. He goes after them. And this is what he does with us, guys. It's not random at all. It is the sovereign act of God's love and goodness that sought out the 12. It wasn't based upon their love for him. It wasn't based upon his sympathy for them. It was God's sovereign mercy that chose them. And it's God's sovereign mercy, love, and goodness that chooses us and makes us his own today. It is nothing of our self. It's nothing of our good works, our good deeds. It's, it's, it's nothing we can do more. It's nothing that we could do less. God chooses those. He makes his own possession, period. Friends, this should, excuse me, fill our hearts with a certain kind of admiration and gladness and gratefulness towards God. Ultimately, this story is meant to fuel our Christian faith. You know, I imagine if you're here, you're like, why does that guy sweat and yell and sing and dance and hop around like a crazy man? It's not necessarily because I think the music is good. It's not necessarily because I think, you know, the preacher's saying the right words. It's not. It has really nothing to do with what's happening on the outside. It has everything to do with what Jesus has already done for me. So when I sing songs like, you know, Grace to Grace, 
When I sing songs like forever, it's not because they're necessarily great songs and being performed well right in the moment. It's because they so hit a note in my heart. The words themselves fuel such faith. and Say, oh God, if you did it for me, you can do it for anybody. And it's more than just that. It's the absolute shock and awe that God would do it for me. I mean, like, I'm like, why me? I know, I get a little loud. I get it. Listen, I get just as annoyed with silent people as you probably, some of you get annoyed with loud people. So, touche. Show, it wouldn't hurt to show a little excitement from time. Show your pearly whites. Clap a little bit. I know this is New England, but most of you aren't from here. It's only, it's okay to celebrate like you do back home. And listen, this story is worth celebrating. It's actually strange. It is strange to see a believer unmoved by the gospel story. It is foreign and strange. To have no passion at all. I don't need a new story. I just need to be reminded of an old one. And I, I think there's people here that need that reminder. So yes, the story, the gospel story should be the story that fuels faith. The gratitude in our hearts. We don't need good songs. What if we didn't have music at all? What would, what, would, what would be our reason to glorify God then? What if there was no speakers and lights and nice padded chairs? What would it be like then? What would fuel us? What would excite us about Jesus then? It should and always be lights, sound, no lights, no sound. Jesus in the gospel story, period. You want to change life? You start locking into the gospel story day after day, reminding yourself Jesus died on the cross, paid a serious debt. I should have been there, but he went in my place. Oh, and because of that, God no longer judges me. I'm no longer condemned, but I have been made a child, a friend of God. I'm not an orphan. I, I have no reason to be concerned are, are, are fearful of God in the sense that he's not happy with me. I, 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 I goes as far as to say I, I don't have to fear death. How many have a legitimate fear and concern about dying? Do you know that is abnormal to have for Christians? I mean, you think about it. I'm actually trying to accelerate my death. You know, I mean, no, I'm not really trying to do that, but, you know, I want to see Abram grow up. But, I mean, it's not a bad deal. And these are the things that when we remind ourselves, we get comforted. Rather than being so anxious and so fearful, we become steady. We become emotionally whole and become firm and not like a, a, a weed of grass blowing in the wind. Or very strange and weird things that happen in our lives. The gospel is a story that steadies us. The gospel is the ballast in our boats. When the wind is blowing all around, we don't know what to do. The 
gospel was a story that kept my mind sane when my mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I realized that I couldn't necessarily place my hope in having her the long distance and having her see my son grow up and having her see his kids. And there were times that my heart was ruined. And I was like complaining at times, God, where are you? And what steadied my complaints and my jadedness was the gospel, just being reminded of what has already been done for me. And even for my mom, knowing she's a Christian, knowing that she doesn't have to fear death, was such a comfort to me. Where, although we got a miracle, our hope wasn't necessarily in that miracle. It was great that we had it. It was great that Jesus did it. Where she's no longer, uh, she's cancer free. And so we saw her at that miracle. She didn't even finish her chemo. And so it was great, but that's not what kept me in those days when I didn't know. When I didn't know how far that cancer went, when I didn't know what tomorrow would bring, I didn't know. And the only thing that stabilized my weariness and my emotional you know, status and just feeling everywhere emotionally in my heart. It was the gospel story, just being reminded of what Jesus has done. You know, sometimes we think we need something new. What's, what's going to fix it this time? And the truth is, friends, we don't need. We just, we just need to go back to our roots. We need to go back to that story. Um, I don't want to harp on it any longer. I kind of missed half of my sermon here, but going back to uh, John 15. Jesus puts it out on the table that he is going to lay down his life. So he's not only just with words telling them what love is, he's about to display for them what love is. Because Jesus will be the person who what? Lays down his life for his friends. So it's not just in the verbal, it's in the literal life of Jesus being strung on a cross, laying down his life for our sins. Friends, it's an often thrown around word, our words, the love of God. You know, I myself have said it many times and have talked about the love of God, but I don't know in saying it, if my heart is actually connected to the truth of just how much God really loves me. And something that I feel like my heart has been kind of in danger of is losing because of being familiar with the story of the gospel, specifically the powerful verse that hangs out there in the Gospel of John, chapter 316, which I, I, I found myself in danger of treating that verse as just like a throwaway verse. Yeah, heard it. Yeah, got it. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, okay, like what else? Like what, what truth do you have for me today? John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't have two sons. He had one son. 
And that son, he determined to give to the world. Not just like so Jesus could come and hang out with everybody and just kind of strut about. Jesus came into the world to die for the world. He was on mission. I mean, listen, I, 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 we see many things happen in the life and ministry of Christ. But ultimately, when we boil it down, I talked about this last Sunday, when we boil it down to the real meaning and purpose of why Christ came into the world, he came, friends, to die, period. Did a lot of cool things, worked a lot of great miracles, taught a lot of great things. But ultimately, he was on mission to go to the cross for your and my sin. And all of this, all of this, the force behind God sending his son to die for our sin is love. It's it's a strong force. So much to the point where it's the only gift that we'll carry into heaven. Prophecy will no longer exist. All the other wonderful gifts, miracles, but love will remain. And it's by that strong force of love that God ultimately makes a decision. Well before, I dare well before Adam and Eve, our first parents, ever sinned to send Jesus Christ into the world. Not to just entertain and work nice little miracles, although he did, and it was great. But to die. God in the person. God. We're not just talking about some, we're not talking about Paul. We're not talking about James. We're not talking about Peter. We're talking about God in the person of Jesus Christ. Died. He's on mission. Don't you ever believe that any other force put Jesus on the cross other than God's love. There is not a force strong enough. There is not a force strong enough to bend the will of God to say, I will go to the cross. Satan didn't put Jesus on the cross. God put Jesus on the cross. And he did it with a purpose of dying for our sins. Two massive blows into the kingdom of darkness happen on Easter, and that's what we're celebrating. And ultimately, my plea to us is that we would always celebrate this Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in prayer sets, and oh, just throughout it all, just a great celebration. Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. Two massive strikes, blows into the kingdom of darkness, sin and death defeated. And it was worth it to Jesus because Jesus chose us. And and ultimately to choose us, he didn't just choose us on this side of eternity. He, he, He chose us in the sense that he will spend eternity with us. He didn't just just die so that we could be forgiven of our sin. He he died so that no record of wrong could be held against us. That that we could go before the Father in Christ's righteousness and stand and say, I'm innocent. He paid it. I'm not really innocent, but you know what? You get it. Like, he paid it. I had a massive debt. 
He paid it, okay? It's on him. And that's exactly how Jesus sees it, and that's exactly what God is doing. It's not just a plan that God has to give us nice little fuzzies on Sunday mornings. It's not a plan that just uh, God has to work a couple miracles and get a couple people saved. God chooses us in the sense that he wants to spend eternity with us. He wants to spend it. And the great thing here, if you feel today you're on the outside, you, could, you, you feel like maybe I felt in my, in my teens, where I didn't know if there was hope. I was like, God, certainly you couldn't choose me. Do you see what I've done? Do you see my life? Do you see what my parents and friends are saying about me? I, a lot of my disinterest in church was just like, I don't think God could ever come close to this. But here's the thing. God in his love sent his, cry, sent his son, Jesus, to the earth for whomever, for whomsoever would choose to believe in him. And so I imagine today that there's some whomsoevers. I don't know if that's uh, whatever. But I imagine that there's some here today that maybe feel like I felt. You're thinking, well, you know, I don't feel chosen. My friend invited me here. My mom pressured me, and I just wanted to shut her up. Anybody? Listen, moms, man, they're like God's prophets, right? I mean, they're like the hounds of heaven for any wayward son. <laughs> and, and maybe you feel like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't feel chosen. I don't feel like God could see me as a son. I don't feel like God could see me as his child. Listen, here it is. God can. And you know something interesting about, and this is off script. Matter of fact, a lot of this is off script. It's weird. You know something interesting about the cross that when me and Abram and Bethany were going it over, going over it, excuse me, this week, was that criminal who boldly proclaimed the gospel to that mocking criminal who was like making fun of Jesus and scoffing and mocking. And all that man knew to that moment was a life of crime. He, he didn't have any reference, any context, I don't think, unless he heard of Jesus or maybe put himself around the teachings of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. But right there in a moment, this criminal, this man, who knows what his crime was? Who knows to the, the, the degree of his, of his crime or his uh, reason for being there on the cross? But he, in a moment, proclaims the gospel in like two little sentences. And Jesus says this, friend, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, it's never too late. And also, you are the type of person that God would choose to forgive and make his own. It doesn't matter to the degree of your sin or the, um, I don't know how to say this. It doesn't matter to God what you have done in your life. He wants to make you a new person. And I, I just happen to believe that for the simple fact that you're here sitting in this seat being exposed to this message today, I believe that this is God's kind of making himself known. What you thought was maybe just your mom pressuring you to get to church. What you thought was just a friend annoying you and just say, hey man, when you come to Easter Sunday, he's going to preach the gospel. 
I believe God has set you up. Much like He set me up when I didn't know why I just showed up at this youth ministry until later. But I came to realize that God had set me up because He was wanting to make me His possession. He was choosing me before I chose Him. I believe that God has some people maybe here today that He is wanting to choose. And you're right, you're, you're not a good person, right? You're, you're, you're right, you, you fail, you're, you're a sinner, right? Yeah, I, yeah, it's the truth. I, I, like, listen, I'm the chief of all sinners. It's not a matter of our good works. It's not a matter of what we have done for Jesus or what we have not done for Jesus. All that is before us today is that rugged cross and the man who hung on it for our sins. Listen, you will never be able to out the grace of God, ever, period. It's never too late. With every eye closed, I'm not going to work hard at this. I'm going to simply put before us the greatest gift that God the Father has ever given to humanity. So with every eye closed, please, in respect to those who may respond, every eye closed. And, and, and you may be here and you're like, hey, like, I'm a Christian. Like, I believe in Jesus. Hey, that's good. Pray. Pray. Because there just might be someone here that God wants to pick and kind of reach out and save their hearts. And so you could pray that God would open their hearts and do that work. And so here it is. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, all it takes is a lifting of your hand. So if that's you and you're here in this place, lift your hand now and respond to the gospel. Respond and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Let him set you free from anxiety of the future give you an eternal peace and hope of which this world cannot destroy nor take from you. If that's you, one more offer. If you would like to respond to the gospel story this morning, raise your hand because I would like to identify you and pray with you and talk to you. Jesus, I thank you that you are the greatest gift. That when God gave us his son, he gave us the best, the absolute best. And Lord, so we don't have to work hard at this. We trust your spirit, God, that you are able to do a work, that you have your own way in calling out those of whom you choose to be your own possession. I thank you, Jesus, that I am counted among those numbers. And all who are here are counted among those numbers. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thank you for putting up with me, church.
Ja, 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 ja. Så er der jo Naomi 